there, it's Andrea and Chelsea. We're so glad you're here. Join us as we talk about faith and life. We want to encourage you to know more about God and know Him better. Welcome to Renewed. Hi everyone, welcome back to Renewed. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Andrea. And today we're going to talk about how to go from dating to marriage. So Andrea and I have definitely had a lot of girl talk, um, and sometimes we kind of wonder what goes in the what goes on in the brains of men. <laughs> we both, I think, <laughs> laughed and had um, bonding moments when we just I don't know find it ridiculous, sort of how oh, yeah. uh, John and Nick think. And today we're going to get some answers to some of those questions. Um, and just talk a little bit more specifically about dating and marriage from the male perspective. So um, more specifically, how do you get from dating to marriage and like what is that kind of transition like? So we'd like to welcome Nick and John back to the podcast. So hi, guys. Hey, guys. Again. Hi, girls. Yeah, so I totally echo what Chelsea said. Like, uh, I also wonder what goes on in the brain of, of females as well. So <laughs> I've also learned a lot from you guys. <laughs> you yep, echoing what John podcast. said. <laughs> you guys will have to start your own podcast and get us on there for us to give you the answers that we're getting from you guys today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just might then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first question, um, and we're going to start with Nick. So, um, I guess, how do you date intentionally without crossing boundaries as well? Yeah, so great question, Andrew. I think the best way to navigate boundaries is to let them be known as early on as possible. And, you know, assuming that both the guy and the girl are Christian, then really the only major, I would say, boundary is to not have sex before marriage. But you really need to be honest with yourselves as a couple as well. So you... Are you able to, for example, show affection without being tempted to go too far? And what things besides sex is too far? What are some things that are absolutely off limits? What can you do to make sure that you're not going too far? So having conversations about and trying to resolve these questions with your partner and constantly reevaluating are some of the ways that, for example, Chelsea and I keep each other accountable during our dating phase. And you, of course, you have other boundaries like emotional and, and spiritual boundaries. And these also need to be talked about early on. You know, both people shouldn't feel ashamed to say, I don't feel comfortable about this topic just yet. You know, early on in my relationship with Chelsea, I know that she wanted to guard her heart because of the possibility that things might not work out. And that's totally fine. There's nothing that I could do to really rush that process. But it doesn't mean that I would stand idle and not do anything about it either, right? So the simple answer for me was to show her on a consistent basis that I would be husband material, to be honest. And whether it's through putting God at the center of our relationship or putting her needs above my own, I think that doing these things made it much easier for her to open herself up to me as well. So, um, And as our relationship continues to progress, we continue to talk about boundaries and how and what are the limits of what we're willing to do before actually committing uh, to our, to each other 100 percent mm-hmm. yeah and uh i guess about the sexual intimacy part i heard from jonathan pakluda um his podcast mentioned 
when someone asked like how far is too far and he basically said that like as blunt as possible like anything that gets you turned on or like you know starts the bodily fluids coming out or you know you know what happens when you get turned on like that means your body's getting ready for sex and if you're not going to have sex you shouldn't even tempt i guess each other to get there and i just think if you're not going to do it and you know that's not what god not when god wants you guys to have sex then like it's not loving almost to tease the other person so um that one thing kind of stuck with me it's not about like how far you get to the line you're not supposed to cross it's in general it's just like anything sexual is meant for marriage and if anything is remotely sexual then that's meant for marriage and not for right now um obviously we know that that's easier said than done but uh john how about you yeah andrew i was gonna say like uh, i was actually gonna say the same thing from from that podcast um <laughs> i i was i was thinking like i was thinking that exact same thing and just mm-hmm. to add on to like just to add on to what you said as well like one thing that uh jonathan pakluda mentioned on i'm pretty sure that same podcast he's like it's not a it's not a loving thing to do um when we when we like when we go too far sexually when when we're not supposed to do like afterwards you you feel guilty about it and it's it actually takes away from uh, like your your marriage in the future and one thing he he said recently was that like if you know if 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 like you know if andrew and i waited if I, andrew and i didn't wait uh, you know let's say we we had sex before marriage when we actually have sex during marriage it actually wouldn't feel it actually wouldn't it, it would take time to heal for sure and god forgives that's for sure uh the lord is merciful and he forgives all all of our sins but if as a natural consequence though if we had sex before marriage um then during marriage it actually wouldn't feel as sweet it would actually wouldn't wouldn't feel as uh, intimate uh, because we did it when we weren't supposed to and now we're actually allowed to it it's like we've already done it already so it actually waiting uh to have sexual intimacy when it's the right place to have it it actually enhances the intimacy that you will have and also as a as like as another as another thing that um, i'm just stealing so many things from jonathan pak Luda, but like uh like i've myself i'm not like nowhere near uh, perfect in this I'm, I'm very easily tempted and like i i'm often very very weak uh, but a couple of illustrations he gives that are good is that like uh like sex is like it's like it's like a fire in a fireplace when it's when a fire is in a fireplace it gives warmth it gives life um it's it's really it's a really good thing um but when you take that fire and you put it onto your into your living room carpet or you put it onto your your house your wood house or whatever it is right it burns and destroys everything a, a little fire can burn down a whole forest so God created sex. It is his idea. He created uh, intimacy in this way to be enjoyed. And it is a good thing. But if we take the intimacy out of its proper context, that's when it can be actually very deadly. And it could be, uh, it could destroy a relationship rather than give warmth to it like it's meant to. Yeah, that's that's a really great illustration. And I feel like Jonathan Picklud is just really good at um, <laughs> being blunt about these this topic, um, especially and giving yeah. some like really relatable analogies. I think um, obviously like it's way harder to 
put into practice um, Mm -hmm. when you're actually in a relationship. Like it's very easy to say these things and to agree with what he's saying, but in practice it does take um, a lot of discipline, I think. Um, And yeah. And just like consistently communicating for sure. Um, Yeah. But definitely a struggle. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Chelsea, like, yeah, like I, I know we can all totally relate with that. And I think like in terms of practical, how, how do we actually do it? Like, it's like with all all sin struggles, any sort of struggle that we have, only God can change us. Um, and that's not to say that's a cliche, but it's the truth. Uh, we can't stay sexually pure with our own strength. It's not possible. Um, like we can try hard, but it, when the temptation comes, like we're going to give into it. So how do we then fight temptation? It is through it is through intimacy with God um, on a on a very foundational level. If we if if His Word is in our heart and our relationship is right with Him, and He's our our, our number one priority and our prize then it would be it it would be a much greater battle when we fight sexual temptation it'll be easier for us we'll be stronger because we we know our relationship with god is important and we don't want to hurt that and we know and have a proper understanding that um, like it's not a loving thing for us to do at this time and only god can give us that understanding only god can give us that insight and that only that comes through spending uh, a lot of time with him uh, through 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 reading his word through prayer through, through through church through fellowship a stronger relationship with God I from my from me experientially is the best way to combat this um, and then there's also practical things as well um like uh, like as Andrew and I we were very fortunate uh, during COVID actually we uh, all of our hangouts we hung out at Andrew's house uh, in like in in the upstairs room where Andrew's parents were as well so there was like very li- there was like zero opportunity uh, for any sort of uh, temptation which is which is a good thing actually it actually kept us um, pure for uh, for you know for that season of time um, so for several months like we you know it was very like. I, it was very easy to stay pure because you know we we weren't put in a situation to be tempted. So I think also being wise with your situation as well, like like where do you hang out? What do you what are your usual activities in your relationship? All of that can can make or break intimacy as well. Yeah, those are such great points, John. And I think um, I think just like in terms of you and Andrea having you know dating before I started dating, I definitely. Uh, had a lot of talks with Andrea about this and just sort of like how to navigate these kinds of things and these kinds of discussions. And um, it's really awesome to hear like your perspective and just how how you've led the relationship in, in purity in that way as well. Um, it's really inspiring. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, Josie, praise the Lord. Like I, I honestly, we've uh, we've been tempted many times and we're, we're by no nowhere near perfect. So yeah, so much growing for all of us to do. And God has mercy on us. When even when we fall, God has mercy. But yeah, it's 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 really, really only by him that any of us can remain pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think we, you know, discussed this topic um quite a bit, and I think we could do a whole podcast on it, but we do have a few other questions. So um the next question is a little bit more fun, but uh, what can a girl do to encourage a guy if she's interested? Like, it's very hard. I feel like some girls don't feel like they want to make the first move. They're maybe a bit more shy. Maybe they want the guy to make the first move. But what can a girl do to just kind of like encourage that and move things along? Yeah, so I think I think in a best case scenario, 
and 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 in in a biblical perspective, uh, I I think the the male should take the initiative, and take uh, take the lead in in expressing his feelings, um, and and asking the 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 girl to to be in relationship with him. So I think that is the responsibility of the male to do. Uh, by the same time, that doesn't mean that girls can't show their show their interest or show their intention. Um, so I don't have a, I, I personally, honestly, I don't have a lot of insight into this. I feel like I'm pretty oblivious to a lot of things, but like <laughs> one thing, one thing that Andrew did, um, when, when we first started talking, um, it was like the first week that we were talking and like Andrew just messaged me, um, and she just asked me how I'm doing. Um, and she's like, you know, what did you do today? Uh, like, you know, and that, that actually just actually, that actually made me really happy on the inside. It just showed that like, you know, she was interested in what I'm doing and she, yeah, she she was very friendly with me and just cared about what I was doing, and I think that that actually it was a really small gesture, but that showed that made that went a long way for me actually in my heart. It just made me feel like oh maybe 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 she is interested or she just genuinely cares about what I did. I just thought that was a nice gesture. <laughs> That's interesting. That's like the first time John's ever said that debuted on this podcast um that's oh good i'm sure i've said that before but okay I, I don't remember but <laughs> okay um i think i know which time john's talking about or just in general but i want to add like for girls it is hard to kind of nudge a guy sometimes because they are oblivious just like john is but um my mom actually told me like if you're interested then why not just like message him because i at that point of the beginning was just waiting for John to message me every single time. And like, even though he did, I was like, well, if he wants me, he needs to message me. But then she said like, and this was really practical advice. She said that, well, maybe he's not sure if you're interested back because every single time it's him messaging. So maybe you could message him back too sometimes. Message him first. And I remember that I did do that and he like replied right away. So I don't know, I think girls like, you can wait for him, but sometimes, like, you should take the first move as well. John was, like, waiting on his phone the <laughs> entire time for that <laughs> notification. Yeah, he could have at least, like, waited a few minutes, but he's not asleep like that. Yeah, honestly, Andrew might just be gassing. I honestly don't know if I re- replied right away. But... It was right away, I remember. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she would remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what, did How... something right then. <laughs> Uh, yeah, how about you, Nick? Yeah, I think it's a pretty easy one. But for me, it depends entirely on the girl's personality. So in my pre- previous relationship, the girl flat out asked me, she flat out asked me out. But um, for girls who are, I guess, less bold than someone like her, I think things like, you know, having a warm and fun vibe, laughing at my jokes, asking questions about me, being responsive to texts, and just generally not letting conversations die out either. I think for a guy, they're definitely these are definitely cues that I got from Chelsea when we were messaging. And once we got to the point of, you know, sending blocks of text to each other every day, I really knew that things were kind of moving in the right direction. So just I think it's really easy to tell when a girl is, is interested and you just have to put yourself in the mindset of, okay, well, if I if I want to show this person that I'm interested in, like what are the things that like are the actions that I'm taking honestly reflecting that? Or am I just trying to play games? So th- those are kind of my two cents. Mm-hmm. Um I think that as girls, we 
sometimes try to play like hard to get but sometimes it's too much and the guy just thinks you're not interested so i definitely think that we need to keep the conversation going and that shows effort as well and it worked for chelsea nick so (laughs) yeah just i think it's like just giving them grace and like being nice even though maybe you're not feeling it um but just like giving them a little bit of hope and and encouraging them you know showing Mm -hmm. them that their efforts are not like going unnoticed i guess Mm -hmm. and this reminds me that we should probably do an episode sometime about like what girls are looking for i guess in guys like sometimes it's hard to tell if guys are interested too i feel like we need to talk about that yeah that's true yeah (laughs) um (laughs) You guys talked a little bit about being leaders in the relationship. So the, the male is supposed to be the leader. And last time you guys were on our podcast a while ago, um, you also mentioned how biblically the, the husband is supposed to be the head or the leader of the marriage. So what should guys do to be leaders in the relationship? And how do you, I guess, like try to lead in your relationships? Yeah, so I think that the first thing is to really get an understanding of what the man's role is in marriage. And to put it simply, we as men are to submit ourselves to God and his word. But this also means that we have a responsibility of taking care of our spouse who readily submit themselves to us. And I think that to be an effective leader in a relationship, you really have to be like a solid rock that is able to ground not only yourself, but also your future spouse uh, when when the going gets tough. So it's really during the moments of, you know, emotional distress, when there's changes in life circumstances, or when your spouse is having a breakdown, you know, what are you going to do? And how are you going to handle those moments? You really need to have, I think, both the mental and physical fortitude to really be there for her. Because you're the one that's going to be, that's going to need to be level-headed and know what to do next when she's kind of at her wit's end. So how can you, you know, develop both physical and mental fortitude? I think things like practicing discipline and consistency with certain aspects of your life that keep you grounded and give you strength are things that you should really develop as part of your routine. So for me, for example, I have a few non-negotiable habits in my daily routine and these include you know exercising eating right making sure that i have enough sleep spending time in god's word and these aren't just you know things that i do once in a while these are things that i try to do each and every day and i think that over years and years these habits have really given me this sort of mental callus to be able to tackle the times when i've had to just be there for chelsea to you know reassure her to comfort her and to make tough decisions for both of our both of our best interests. And the last thing that I want to touch on when it comes to leadership is the importance of taking the initiative to create this kingdom building vision with your spouse that best utilizes both your and your spouse's spiritual gifts and working towards her to, uh, working with her towards that goal. So I know that for example Chelsea and I both love to teach And so I think that it's going to be an area that we're both going to be exploring in the future for, for our, uh, for future ministry. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, Nick. And I think just to, just to echo what you said in the very beginning, and I, I totally agree with that, like that, the, the, 
the Bible calls uh, men to, to lead in, in their relationship, uh, in their marriage. Um, and how we do that is submission to God's word, Nick, like you said. And I guess like leadership, um, like humanly speaking and naturally speaking, we think it's like very authoritative. We think it's like, you know, the army commander who says, you know, my soldiers, you do this, you do that. That's leadership. Or we think that it's like the boss of, of your company who says, you know, uh, you know, so-and-so, I need you to get this done by Monday morning, whatever, right? That's leadership. But, that it, but that's what we naturally think. Um, but true biblical leadership um, is what Jesus Christ demonstrated on the cross. And Jesus mentioned this many times throughout the Gospels is that if you want to be the greatest, you would actually be the least. He who humbles himself will be exalted, but he who exalts himself will be humbled. So in a relationship, in a Christian marriage, in, in what God calls leadership is actually servant leadership. It's when a true leader is the one who is willing to uh, lay down his life for, for, for his wife, uh, who is able to sacrifice for her. Um, and that is what Jesus did uh, with with us. Jesus is the King. He's He's God of the universe, but He laid down His life for His people. And Jesus is the is their ultimate leader. He's our chief shepherd. He's our King. Yet He served us, which is such an oxymoron. But that's the leadership that Jesus demonstrated for His uh, for His church for His bride, and that's what. Uh, God calls us to as well. So pride is something that I, I really struggle with. Um, like I, I think, like I think a lot of men struggle with that, thinking that you know, like I'm, my opinion is always right, or I need to make sure my opinion is heard. I need to make sure, uh, you know, my my you know my 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 opinion is voiced. But a lot of times, from my own experiences, that prevents me from making the objective decision on a lot of things. So like I think a big thing is to like for men, it's very difficult to lay down our pride, but we are called to do that. Um, like an artist that I listen to a lot, um, he said this in one of his songs, and this has really stuck with me uh, since I've heard it, is that pride is always tricking fools and ridicule is a clever sin. And as someone who really struggles with pride in my relationship with Andrea uh, and, and, and just in general, like I think, man, pride is always tricking fools. And when I'm tricked by pride when my pride takes over like i'm actually being fooled i'm actually a fool for you know for for falling into that right so i'm like no i don't want to be a fool i want to be wise i want to be wise in my relationship uh with 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 my with my with my uh, future wife in my relationship with other people right and so like having a humble heart willing to hear the opinions of your significant other and i think it's all very good uh that's how we lead uh in a relationship yeah, that's that's really great. Um, yeah, I think I think just highlighting the importance of um, God's word in this, and 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 the importance of your relationship with God uh, in order to be a good leader. Um, I think that's really the the key here. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to another question. Can guys? and girls be just friends this is very like debatable and people have very like different opinions on this topic so um i'm just curious to know about what what john and nick think about this so yeah what do you guys think yeah really interesting question uh i think 
I think the answer, like, it's not it's not a straightforward answer, but it's definitely not a no. Guys and girls can be friends. Of, of course, guys and girls can be friends um, in terms of the, the Bible. Uh, like, you know, when Paul writes, uh, he 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 had a lot of female so who, who who he served closely with um and he calls them like you know these are my dear fellow workers my brothers and sisters so it is definitely it's it's it is it is not wrong to have friends with the opposite gender but at the same time um relationships with the opposite gender will look very different than a relationship with the same gender and so I would say in terms of if we are looking like naturally guys and girls have um, have like attraction to each other. So the more time we spend with someone of the opposite sex, it is bound to create um, it is bound to create attraction, especially um, I'm not talking about in all settings, but especially in, in uh, like in, in alone in alone sessions, like if 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 I'm date if I'm dating Andrea and if I'm spending consistent time with another female alone, that is very dangerous for me because it is very easy for me to grow affections for the other person. And one thing that I've heard from an older friend before, um, and an, an older friend who was married at the time, um, was that like he what he he told he asked me, he's like, How many female friends do you think I have? And I was like, I don't know, like three, four, five. Like he's, he was a he was a pretty well known guy at his church. So I'm like, yeah, you probably have a lot of female friends. But then what he what he said was like, no, I actually don't. I only have one female friend, and she's my best friend. She's my wife, right? It's uh, and then he also said that like he's like, and you know, all my other closest friends, they're all guys, right? And he's like, I surround like my clo- I only have one. I only have one me one female friend, and I only really need one female friend. He says, I don't need any more than that. One is enough. So that's not to, to be, I don't think that's to be taken literally. But I just, when, when I heard that, it really stuck to me as it's just a principle of it. Like, it's like we, we find our, like, we find our attraction and we find our, like, our desire for intimacy and female friendship all fulfilled in our significant other. And that's the way it's meant to be. And not once again of course we can have relationships with you know uh, people of the opposite gender uh, but it is we need to be wary of those relationships that they don't cross um, like that they don't cross boundaries that they shouldn't cross and that we are guarding our hearts putting ourselves in situations where our heart is not straight and that our relationship to our significant other is is the priority and remains the priority yeah that's that's so good john i mean amen to that I don't have much more to add to what you said. Uh, so I'll just speak speak based on personal experience. And I would say that, yes, it is possible for guys and girls to remain friends. But I think that you really have to space out your one-on-one interactions and hang out predominantly in group settings. That way, it's pretty obvious that you see them just as a friend. And I think that even when things get a little bit confusing between a guy and a girl during that friendship stage, I think that it's the man's responsibility to really have a conversation and define what that relationship is, whether or not he actually wants to pursue something more serious along the lines of marriage, or if he desires to to keep that that girl as as part of his uh, friend group. And I and I speak. To this as um as, as a guy who has 
a few female friends myself and there's no other girl that I speak more to than Chelsea. And so when it comes to other girls, I touch base with them once or twice in a year or so just to kind of update each other on our lives. But when it comes to frequent interactions, that's that's really where I draw, draw the line as well. So I think it's really the frequency of the interactions that will kind of make things either more on a friendship basis or kind of lead to more confusing times, I think, for the both, for, for, for both people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's just like a lot of gray area in this in terms of guys and girls, and especially if like both people are single, like, you know, are you friends? Are you more than friends? Um, obviously, it's a different story when when one person's dating as well. Um, but just like to to speak on like how this kind of played in Nick and I's relationship, I knew that he had like quite a few relationships with girls in terms of like just friendship. Um, but he would tell me about them, and at the beginning, when we were just talking, I. I kind of assumed, oh, okay, I guess like he just is super close to girls, like as friends. So maybe like he's not really interested in me in that way and just like wants to be friends. So I kind of assumed that and kind of assumed every like outing that we did, like one on one, was just like another hangout with a girlfriend because he told me he did those things before and never like really made it clear I guess that it was more than that um obviously that's like part of a another story but just just uh glimpse it like how this can can kind of um play a role in in uh, a friendship slash relationship ish yeah and I think everything that you guys said was really good and that also reminded me for single guys like I think we talked mostly about like if you're dating someone but if you're a single guy and you have frequent hangouts with like girls, like the same girl, I think that you need to be weary or not weary, but I think you need to be aware that, you know, it's easy for girls to be let on. Same like it's easy for guys to be let on. So it's always just a good idea to be clear, I guess, about what you're doing and just evaluate what you're doing and see what they might be thinking and just have a conversation about it. So. Um, the last thing I guess we want to juice out of you guys while you're here um, is how have you guys learned from past relationships and how does it affect your current relationship? How about you, Nick? Yeah, so I guess from the from the only past relationship that I've had, I would say that the biggest lesson that I've learned is that having fun with another person fades and it's really you know, a deeper love and commitment that's needed for a relationship to continue thriving. I just didn't have that kind of connection with my ex, nor could I ever envision it happening. And I think it was really that realization that led to us parting ways. And I think the other major learning point was that, you know, despite my best efforts, faith really is a non-negotiable aspect of dating. And like I've tried to allude to before, I've tried I've really tried to compromise and talk to non-Christian girls, but I found that sooner or later, the topic of values, which then become, which then became a topic of faith would eventually come to the surface. And I always felt this inner sense of turmoil that 
things would not work out in the long run because it bothered me a lot more than I anticipated. And I attribute, I think I attribute that to maybe my spiritual maturity and just having the, the wisdom of the spirit kind of speaking into my life and edging me to not go down this road that I would eventually regret. Um, so it was just, you know, not being able to find peace with the situation. And it was just something that I couldn't ignore. And I think that, you know, these lessons that I've learned from my previous relationship and just by talking to girls in general have definitely made things a lot more smooth sailing with Chelsea. Uh, you know, we see eye to eye on just about everything when it comes to the important things. And I can say with absolute certainty that I've been at peace with our relationship since day one. So I think, uh, you know, despite me learning these, uh, you know, with these lessons that I've learned, I, I'm glad that I was able to really apply them to to my current relationship, my current and last relationship. <laughs> um, good one, Nick. <laughs> um, but that's good. It's always good to, to take what you learned and see, like, it's actually such a big difference from what you describe how you were and how you are with um, Chelsea now. So praise God for that. How about you, John? Yeah, no, Nick, that, that's well said. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, well, just just to add on, I know I shared this in, uh, in a couple episodes ago, but I think the, the biggest lesson uh, that I've learned from past relationships is not having God first um, and, and the consequences of that. So I would... I identified myself as a Christian um, during uh, the, the my previous relationship, but looking back at it now, I was really immature in the Lord, and I I thought I wanted to. But like, you know, if you asked me, I would have said, "Yeah, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna put God in the center," but I didn't even know what that meant, and I didn't even know what that looked like. So, uh, being very immature and entering into a relationship, it was so easy to just get sucked in and like. You know, like the relationship was the most important thing to me in my life by far. Um, like it, it, it allowed me to like disobey my parents, like lie behind my parents' back, do things that, you know, that they like, you know, without telling them, um, you know, just so that like, you know, the relationship could continue or at least continue in the way I wanted it to or I thought that was beneficial for it. And like having the relationship like, you know, dominate my life, like it was like the, num the most important thing in my life. Like it led to a lot of a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy, a lot of selfishness. So as an example, when you when the relationship is the most important thing, I find it very easy, you know, like to actually be unloving, which is like so counter counterproductive. Like you, you know, you want to you, you put your relationship at the center, yet you actually love less. So as, a, as an example, like when uh, when my uh, when when my ex-girlfriend would hang out with, with other people, I, I would get jealous or if she would do something without me, I would get jealous, you know, and I wouldn't like because she wasn't doing it with me. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be, you know, the most important person to you or, you know, like I see the relationship is so important, but like, you know, why, why don't you? Right. So like it just it's it just leads to like a lot of unhealthy behavior. And that's one thing that like with, yeah, that God has really have given us, given Andrew and I grace in our relationship. Um, and it's that like, yeah, we we for the most part like of course we stumble in, in this area as well but for the most part our eyes are fixated on the lord and we want to do what he says we want to please him uh, we know that our life is to is is to is to live for him to make much of him um and that has allowed me to actually love andrea so much better like i have been able to like you know 
be so much more self-sacrificial to her because I because I I know God personally. I know His love for me. I know what He's done for me. Um, I've been able to be during during good times. I've been able to be much more patient with Andrea. Um, be more forgiving. Be more merciful. So it's super counterproductive. Uh, I find like when we actually put God at the center of our relationship, it actually allows us to love our significant other like way way better. So. Yeah, praise pra pra praise God for that. The way he, that's the way He designed relationships to be, um, for Him to be at the center of it, and then everything else will follow. And that's actually the healthiest way I find it from personal experience. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, thank you, Nick and John, for being so vulnerable today and just sharing so many kind of insights from the past and even exposing things about Chelsea and I now. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully, too I much. Mean, I know. I'm like, wow, this is like deep. <laughs> Um, but hopefully those of you listening, um, you know, kind of learn some things from our mistakes and uh, Nick and Nick and John's mistakes as well. And we all make mistakes. So um, but we also they've learned so much from them. Praise God for that. So, yeah, hopefully this episode helped you understand a little bit more about how you can go from dating to marriage or even if you're single, what I guess the struggles are with biblical dating and how that should look like for biblical marriage and um yeah we hope you take these things into consideration no matter what life stage you're at right now and we will see you next time bye, bye. we're so glad you joined us for this episode of renewed stay tuned for more episodes and if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to share it with your friends